I love that God has given me the privilege um, to proclaim the gospel, to share his word, um, and to win, to be a tool to win the hearts of his children. Um, like Christian said, I'm from the Dream Center. Uh, we have some of our disciples here. And uh, those of you who don't know what the Dream Center is about, um, it's about seeing lives changed. I see uh, I'm with these guys 24-7 all the time. Even when I try to get away, they follow me, obviously. Um, and I see it every night. I see God working deeply in their lives and, and the transformation um, just, th- there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Um, so much so that there is nothing else in my life that I want to do. Uh, there, everything else seems boring than the work, personally, front lines uh, of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, um, Christian gave me a, a text that when I first read it, um, I'm not going to lie, I, I read it and I was like, man, like, I don't even know what to do with that. It's talking about like hunters and, and fishes, fishermen. Um, and it was, um, and when he said the book of Jeremiah, I was like, uh, that's, that's kind of a tough one. If you guys have ever read it, um, a lot of stuff in there, uh, it might make sense. Doesn't really make sense. But I'm in, tonight I'm in Jeremiah chapter 16. Those of you who have a copy of God's word, I'm in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14. And I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to go all from 14 all the way through 21, but uh, we're going to stop pretty early. So just follow with me. In verse 14, it says, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall, when it shall no longer be said as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country. And out of all the countries where we where he had driven them, um, this verse right here was one of the parts where I was like, I don't even know what you're saying there. I had to read it a couple of times um, to even know what the sentence meant. It seemed like gibberish to me. Um, so we're going to have to do a little bit of work to uh, unpack the the deep meaning of this. And and I promise if you guys stay with me and if you engage, I know how Sunday chapel is. Um, and, you know, Wednesday chapels, this place is packed. Sunday chapel, not so much. Um, you think you'll get them all on Wednesday. But try to stay with me here because there is something deep that if we grab a hold of it, I promise you, um, this will set you free. And just like any part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll change your life. So um, the first part, he says... Um, as the Lord lives, uh, it'll no longer be said as the Lord lives who brought, uh, the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Some of you guys might be familiar with what he's talking about there. Um, can anyone tell me what book you would go to, to figure out what he's talking about there? Exodus, right? Dream Center guys telling you they're on it. Exodus, um, God up to this point in the people of Israel's lives, um, as a nation, every time they had some kind of hardship, every time they were, uh, fearful, every time they were in doubt, God would remind them, listen, I am the Lord. This is the phrase. And I mean, it was, it, it was heavy. It meant something to them. He would say, uh, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt and it would stir their hearts. It would remind them of something that happened. What was it that happened? Well, about a thousand years ago, the people of Israel, they were slaves to the most powerful nation in all the world, to Egypt. 
And in this slavery, it didn't look, there was no like really strong person like, okay, when this person grows up, we're going to be delivered. These people, um, it seemed hopeless. They thought that God, you read in Exodus, they thought that God had forgotten about them. And then Moses came. Those of you who know the story of Moses, Moses came and through Moses, God reaches his hand down and on his own, without any help, um, God single-handedly destroys, uh, at the same time as destroying the, the most powerful nation in the world, he mocks every single one of their gods that they worship and he delivers his people. And get this, um, when he gets them out of slavery, um, the people of Egypt, they're, they're chasing them down. Now I'm not going to make you guys turn there. I thought about doing that, but I, again, I know how Sunday chapel is. I don't want you guys to have to work too hard tonight, but go and read this story. It's very powerful. But in this story, um, the people of Israel are like, okay, we're free. And they're, they're getting away. And Egypt's like, no, we want them back. And they're running them down. And, uh, a lot of you have heard this story, God parts the Red Sea, allows his children, the people of Israel, to cross the Red Sea on dry ground, and then he brings the waters crashing down on the Egyptians. Get this part. If you read, if you go in there and you read the part where the waters crash down on the people of Egypt, it says that Miriam, Moses' sister, she got a little uh, Baptocostal. And she grabbed the tambourine and she she began to sing, praise the Lord for he triumphs gloriously. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea. Can you imagine what that was like? These people that had been slaves for hundreds of years, no hope in sight. And now they see their captors, their slave masters washing up at their feet were free. We're free and God has delivered us. And when God reminded them, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt. This stirred up love in their hearts. This stirred up courage in their hearts when anything came against them. And now a thousand years later, after being told the story over and over again, if you read in Jeremiah, if you know the story of Jeremiah uh, and why uh, what his ministry was, you see a people that have forgotten what this means. You see a people who, yeah, that, that's a good story. I've, I've heard about the God who delivers out of Egypt. I've heard that. You see a people that have drifted and they know not what it means. It does not stir anything in their hearts when God tells them, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And you have a people who hear that and say, oh, that's cool. That's a really, that'd make a really good t-shirt. And that's about it. It does nothing to the love in their hearts. It does nothing uh, for their courage, for their faith, when life presses down on them. And so God is telling them, listen, what I'm about to do in your life What I'm about to do right now at this point in history is I'm about to do something so amazing, so astounding that they're no longer going to talk about Egypt when I'm done. Look what he says. No longer will they say the God who brought you out of Egypt. 
It says in verse 15, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. You see, um, how many of you guys have, God is saying right here that I'm not just a God um, who is fun to hear about. I'm not a God who it's fun to come and listen to worship and, and go to classes at a, at a cool Christian college and have these fun little catchy phrases that, um, they, they do uh, something for me when life's going good. No, he's saying, I am a God who wants to intimately be a part of every part of your life. And I am a God who is not just fun to hear about, but I want you to experience me. He's telling these people, they're, they're not going to talk about Egypt when I move in your life. They're going to talk about how I moved for you specifically. How many of you guys have ever had that moment. I'm talking about those nights where you can't even control yourself because uh, you're just weeping because God has spoken directly to whatever situation it is. Whatever situation it is, that hopeless situation, these people were being dragged off into exile. The people of Egypt, uh, the, the people of Israel in Egypt, they were slaves. There was no hope in sight. Have you ever been in that moment of despair? God, I don't know what to do. And you cry out to him and God answers you. God is saying, that's what I want to do for you. That's how I want to speak to you. That's the kind of God I am. They're not going to talk about Egypt. They're not going to talk about what, what I did for your mother, what I did for your brother or sister, what I did for um, the professors here on Sterling, at, on Sterling College campus. Um, what you, what's going to stir your heart is what I want to do in your life when I bring you out of the North Country, when I bring you out of your despair, out of what presses down on you. And then look. At the second part of verse 15, it says, for I will bring them back to their own land. Pay attention to that part. Their own land that I gave to their fathers. Again, he's reminding them of Genesis when God was telling uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'll make you a nation. I'll give you a land. God, these, And not only that, the promise was, I'm going to bless your people. I'm going to bless your, I'm going to bless your nation, this nation, not for the fact that, uh, so you can be a nation above everyone else, but so that through you, you can bless the world. We serve a God who is on mission, drawing all things, all people, all creation, all over the universe to himself. And God says, listen, I created you Israel for a purpose. I gave you a promise. Do you realize in Jeremiah, uh, he tells them, uh, before I knew you, I created you. That's the same for you, every one of you in here. But you know what that means? I heard it uh, illustrated like this. Before I knew you, I created you. Um, so this stand here, it's, 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 it's really awesome. It holds this mic. It holds uh, my Bible, these notes. Um, someone thought of this. How nice would it be to be able to stand up here and move around and not have to carry my Bible around everywhere I go? Uh, it would be nice if it stood about this high. You could move it up and down. And someone knew this before they created it. They had something specific in mind. God had something specific in mind when he created you. And he said, I created you for a purpose, for a promise. 
I gave you every one of your desires. I gave you every one of your talents. I made you a specific way, put you in a specific context because I want to do something. I want you to be an agent of light. He tells the people of Israel, I wanted you to be an agent of light to win all nations to me. I made you for this. And I'm going to do something in your life that wins your heart. Not just so you obey me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not pleased with you just obeying me. I want to win your heart. All through Jeremiah, he tells them, my mission is to write my law on your heart. What, that, what he means by that is I want you to love. Can you imagine to love to obey God? I mean, you hear these words we're singing. He says, I lay me down. When, when the guy, I'm assuming when the guy wrote this, he was imagining what a joy it is to lay himself down for you, God. It was a joy. These aren't just fun words. And the reason why is the reason why we we have these songs of worship, the reason why these people talk like this is because God did something in their life. God brought them out of their darkness. God is saying, listen, I have a promise for you, and I'm gonna bring you back to your own land. The promise I gave you. But first, I'm gonna win your heart. Now, those of you who are um, athletes, athletes, the easiest illustration I can think of, but it, it, I mean, it goes for anyone aspiring to be um, in a better position with whatever they love than they are, they're at right now. Um, so a business person, you want to, or even a general student, you have a certain GPA you want as a, as an athlete, um, a certain position or a certain stats that you want, um, uh, even for, if you just want to be um, a family person, mother, wife, husband, father, there, there is an idea that you want to shoot for, something better, this idea. Um, and in order to get there, you realize there's going to be, have, have to be some work involved. For an athlete, you're going to have to work out. You're going to have to sacrifice some things. Um, You've uh, you got to get rid of some things, and you've got to start embracing other things. And uh, Jeremiah doesn't leave us uh, on an easy road and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, and then we don't stop at verse 15. Look at verse, this is the part that got confusing. And this is where I was talking about hunters and fish. It says, in verse 16, behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward, I will send many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first, I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. The main reason that these people forgot how good their God is, the main reason that their hearts were not stirred up with love for God was because they filled God's land with idols. This promise that God gave them. You, uh, you read about the history of Israel. All throughout the promised land, they had temples and altars and high places where they went to pray uh, to all these different gods. Gods of wealth, gods of fertility, gods of happiness, gods of weather. 
and everywhere, just like everyone around them, they filled God's land, their lives, and their hearts with love and worship for idols, for other gods that weren't even real. Man-made idols. And in Romans, uh, Paul lays out um, part of the bend, part of the attitude, part of the sickness in the heart of man, in the heart of you and I. It says um, that they love the created things more than the creator. What is it? God, uh, what God gets down into their lives and down into our lives. What Jeremiah and uh, the Holy Spirit are pulling at here is what is it in your life that you love? Where are the idols in your life that God needs to pull down and get rid of so that God can write his law on your heart, write his name on your heart, fill your heart with love for him. You see, this isn't about you uh, coming to chapel and, and, or uh, this isn't about you going to church, confessing Jesus and saying, okay, now I'm just going to obey these rules. And as long as I'm a good person, um, then God uh, is pleased with me. No, like I said before, what God wants to do, what he has always wanted to do was win your heart. He wants to win your love. He wants to stir you up. It should look like this. This is an easy example. Um, the kind of person God wants uh, to make you into is you're getting gas on a Tuesday and you think about the cross and man, it unfolds you. Everything you do, Paul says, everything I do, whether I eat or drink, um, should be to Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. God, how can I bring you glory here? That's what it looks like to be filled with love. That's what God is doing to these people. And look at the song. Uh, this is Jeremiah's prayer when God says these things to his people. This is, um, and this should be our prayer. The people, uh, they didn't reach this point yet. In fact, you go all the way through Jeremiah, um, and they don't reach there in this book. In verse 19, it says, O Lord, my strength, my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. To you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can man make himself gods? Such are not gods. This, listen to these words. Let this sink down into you. Oh God, like, does that even make sense? Oh God, you are my strength. Not the things that you give me. You are my strength. When I think of you and I'm reminded of your promise, when I cry out to you, when I hear your word, I'm filled with strength, God, with courage, with hope. This is what it means. God, you are my strength. You are my refuge. You are my stronghold. That's where he drew Jeremiah to here, where he's trying to draw Israel, and for all of eternity, where he's trying to draw the hearts of men and women all over the globe. And especially right here on a Sunday night chapel in Sterling College. Do you want this? 
Because you see, what God is offering, um, if there's something else that you want other than God, if you want God in order to grab something else, if there's um, this high status or a certain paycheck or um, uh, a certain position or a certain uh, guy or girl or whatever it is, if there's something else you're wanting other than God, then God says, I have nothing for you. But if it's me you want, I have all things. You see, we serve, come here to worship and hear about, and even in Sterling College, you get a chance to hear about a God who created all of these good things in the first place. And he made them so that you would enjoy them so that your heart would be stirred up with love to enjoy him even more. They were meant to point to the creator, not to end on themselves. And I would argue this, and the Bible argues this, you can't enjoy them as fully as you, as they were meant to be enjoyed unless they point you to God. What steals your heart? What steals your joy away from God? They become idols. We've got to get these things out. God, fill my heart with love for you. If, you, if it's him you want, he has all things for you. If it's something else, he's got nothing for you. I can't give you that. In him, you find everything. And so where are we working towards uh, here? Look in verse 21. We'll end it here. And finally, God tells Jeremiah and the people of Israel what he is working for. Therefore, behold, I will make them know. I love that wording. I will make them know. This once I will make them know my power and my might. And they shall know that my name is the Lord. Now, um, I don't want to lead some of you in here. You're going through something difficult. And it's not because you have idols or other loves than God. Sometimes um, the realness of a broken world breaks into your life and you are most aware of it. Sometimes um, you have a family member who's sick. You're going through something uh, evil. Darkness has touched your life. And it's not because you um, necessarily have an idol that you love more than God. Sometimes it's just the fact that we live in a broken world. And this word, this word is hope to you. God is saying, listen, I want, I see exactly where you are. I want to bring you out of that darkness. And I want to show you in a whole new way that I am the Lord. I am your refuge. I am your stronghold. Do you want that this morning or tonight? I kept saying this morning. Sorry, someone should have corrected me. Um, do you want that tonight? Because that is what he's offering you. Listen to this. The God of the universe who created, and in James it says the, the father from who, um, through all good things comes down from the father of lights. Um, everything that is made that is good comes down from him. This God is inviting you into that kind of relationship with him. And he created you to go out and to share this invitation with everyone around you. Is that what you want tonight? Let's pray and the worship team uh, come on up. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that your word reminds us of this amazing invitation that you extend. 
God, not just to non-believers, but to believers who have drifted tonight, Lord. And not just to believers who have drifted, Lord, to your children who are hurting and feel hopeless and in despair. Can't find a way out. God, your word serves as hope and as an invitation to come taste and see the God whose closeness is our good. The God whose loving kindness is better than life. Father, I pray that every heart in here would accept this invitation and come near to you. Thank you, God. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen.